Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. Welcome to Nightlight, everybody. So glad you could join us. I want to thank Ken Quiethawk for his intro. You can find him if you Google Native Storytellers or Ken Quiethawk. You'll find him at both places, I'm sure. He and his wife have an amazing practice that they, that they involve themselves in. They are Native Storytellers, and it's an amazing way to... to preserve history and cosmology and teach everybody morals and, and what's right and what's wrong and give you an idea as to where we came from and where we're going. It's, it's a fascinating, fascinating practice, and it's something that everybody should be exposed to at some time just so they can hear how other people have done pre- preserving their history. Mark has a great show for you tonight. He has a super, super guest, and I'm looking forward to it as much as they are, I think. So sit back and relax and um, put your feet up and prepare yourself to be entertained and educated at the same time. Mark, it's all yours. Hey, Barbara. had a very insightful discussion last night with your prim and proper English guest <laughs> my, my prim and proper bostonian english guest yes yeah. <laughs> it was it was yeah, a good yeah. show i thoroughly enjoyed it yeah um yeah it's been circulating some uh other friends have enjoyed hearing it as well but uh yeah tonight uh we'll be covering Loud uh, British riffraff uh, <laughs> as the show uh, goes on uh, because you know we're doing that because our guest is a live wire from Sin City. Um, <laughs> guest is making me laugh already. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, but Barbara might as well uh, just put me on 
I'll I'll put both of us on uh, mute. Since <laughs> don't, don't the, think the, so. Get, You're committed for uh, two hours here. <laughs> okay. Well, the guest does bring out the devil in me. Okay. Oh, yeah, we have a. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we have a lot of uh, uh, UK listeners, and they have uh, something to look forward to on Thursday. <clears throat> it will be the UK release of Let There Be Rock, uh, which features the greatest British brother guitar duo. Um, the author is our guest, and she is calling in from Tasmania. Hi, Rosie. How are you? Doing great. How are you? Um, I'm fine. No, I'm, I, I'm sorry. I'm I'm a problem child. Uh, Su- <laughs> Susan Messino is our guest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, She's here to steal the show. Uh, let's see. Um, you know we. Uh, you know we uh, all. You know, let's see what else can we say about the introduction? Uh, uh, Susan knows how uh, these shows go, and um, you now she was. You know, I think uh, probably by the end of this one, she's going to highly recommend me to this uh, beautiful prison psychiatrist to be her prized patient like Dr. Lecter. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. <laughs> no. You don't want to go that way. <laughs> okay. Okay. So anyhow, and. In some areas, uh, you know, the lockdown has been downgraded to safer at home. Unfortunately, uh, some regions are still severely impacted by you know the virus situation. Um, so while we process so much contradictory information and bogus science, counting gimmicks, fear of the second wave. Um, You know, we can also acknowledge that, you know, we also are seeing a burst of creativity and revival of compassion. Um, So, you know, part of tonight's show is going to be dealing with uh, ways to help us get through this unusual time period with ideas from Susan's book, The Secrets of the Universe. So um, it, it, it has, at least in the Northeast, um, it has been cold and gray. Um, and the secrets of the universe. You, you do talk about colors can change our moods. What what are some things we could do now that we're into May to help us have 
a better outlook as this situation goes on and on. Right. Well, you know, we we are uh, an an electrical charge, if you will. Um, some call it the soul, if you would like to uh, refer to it that in that way. And it it is a uh, a frequency that powers our body in seven different places, which are called chakras. And those chakras also are a color. So you literally are emitting a rainbow of color that literally comes from your body. And you can use color like, especially now that you've had time to be home and stuff, uh, it's, it's really a good time to like go through things and make your place more comfortable, less cluttered. Um, there's, uh, in my book, there's the, the meanings to all the different colors and, you know, mm-hmm. like light green can be very uplifting and blue can be very relaxing and, you know, restaurants use red because it actually is an appetizing color. Um, so color is, is, uh, in our lives every day, even though, um, I don't think a lot of people appreciate it as much as they could. And I, I've noticed when uh, our resident uh, singing bowl lady, Lenny Pfeffer, does her uh, videos, uh, she she talks about the, uh, it's probably navy blue uh, glass that she, you know, she's drinking water from after she, uh, she does some singing. Um I, she, you know, she's uh, when she's doing her videos. You know, she is using uh, natural sunlight. You know, uh, like I said, the uh, blue color of the glass. Plus, she has the uh, sounds of the singing bowls going on. I, you know, she she is demonstrating a lot of the same uh, topics that you're covering as well. It, Mm-hmm. It, it, it it seems effective, and you oh know, yeah, people I, you are know, watching and the show. You know, it's very important too if you if you can to go outside barefoot and even just stand in the grass. You don't. You can take a walk, but you want to ground yourself to the earth as often as you can because that's really where we you know we draw our energy. We can send our energy down into the earth and it comes back up completely renewed because we're, um, you know, we're all connected. Like your your soul is a circle and as it comes down through your body, it refracts into seven different light or seven different colors, which can be used in everything from the kind of clothes you wear, um, gemstones, the food you eat. Uh, it's. It, you know, color can be very uh, fun to play with, and it's also a, a great way to meditate if you want to relax, bring in your white light at all times, or, you know, if you have a uh, upset stomach, your stomach is yellow, so I work on, you know, sending yellow light through my stomach area, and uh, it's um, a lot of people think that's funny or, <laughs> you know, that it doesn't work, but um, also, you know, Reiki, too, I'm I'm a... Uh, I'm not a master like a friend of mine that should be on your show soon, Tamara. Um, but Reiki mm-hmm. is a, and also another way to heal 
and to calm yourself, even if you're doing it just for yourself and not someone else. And that's using the, your own energy to heal yourself or to calm yourself down and, and clear your energy. So that's another okay. thing you can work on. Yeah, speaking of that, you, you, know, you do have, you know, some, uh, you know, Chapter 3 covers universal laws. You have, like, the law of self-preservation, and, you know, that is to achieve optimal, you know, health and uh Mental, you know, spiritual, e- emotional uh, characteristics. Uh, that's self-preservation. Like at, at, when we talk about that at a time like this, it, it's needed, but it's not uh, necessarily r- r- related to selfishness. No, no, and that it's uh, it's the first universal law because everything living has the instinct to stay alive, and that's right. your your fight or flight. You know, when you feel like you're being threatened, you'll do almost anything to make sure that you survive. And and all every cell structure has that uh, encoded already into it that that we uh, strive to to stay alive and and in this time, of course, to stay as positive as you can and do the right things, you know, right now, do, you know, the social distancing, washing your hands, staying Mm -hmm. uh, away from other people and stay positive because that's, that's all we can do right now is stay positive. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a hard challenge right now. It really is for many people. Yeah. you know, when this started, uh, you know, winter was still going on. At least people can maybe, if, if they can't get out, maybe they can have, uh, you know, just uh, an orchid, mm-hmm. maybe a small hanging basket delivered uh, it, it, that that's just something that it, uh, enough time has passed that now that we're into spring maybe there's it, just those small things that we could do uh you know to improve our outlook oh definitely and and we are very powerful creators. Um, we are our own manifestors, believe it or not. And we, I'm praying that we en- envision a positive future that we're going to get through this. And we're going to get through it faster than a lot of people think we are. I'm, that's what I'm praying for. And uh, we've been up against this kind of thing before. And people are very uh, strong and resilient. And a lot of people are are beating it. If they do have the virus, a lot of people are beating it, and a lot of people are not getting sick. So, you know, God bless the ones that that are not so fortunate. But um, 
we have to start looking at, you know, look at look at how the planet is healing while we're not as active. Right, right. away, it started healing itself. So yeah, uh, those let's... are some of the things we have to look at when we go back to, are we going back to quote-unquote normal, you know? Well, and, you know, they talk about, you know, what the new normal is going to be. Maybe it's actually going to be a better place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope so. I really do. You know, that uh, we take care of each other and the planet a little nicer than we have been. I think that would be well, uh, it, a great thing. And, and I've, one of the things I've seen from the last couple months is more people are you know, sending messages. Hey, I haven't heard from you for a few days. You okay? I I don't think there's been th- that kind of concern. You, 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 even though you, you may not uh, have met uh, someone in person, there, the, the, you know, for whatever reason, you know, your friends on you know through Facebook or so, something like that, mm-hmm. you. Are, are still concerned uh, about him or her, and it's still nice to get that uh, message. I, I I hope that continues. You know, just uh, you know, just wanting to check in on someone. You know, you know, I'm spending a lot more of the day asking how someone is and you know, responding to them. And it's nice to say. I hope it continues after. Th- this thing ends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I think that uh, um, a lot of people are realizing that you know things have to be done a- differently than they were before. Uh, I just don't yeah. think it's going to go back to exactly what we were doing before this happened. It just um, you know things we have to do things differently. We have to start taking care of each other. And uh, it's sad that it took a, a pandemic to do that, you know, to make people realize that uh, we we only have each other. Who else, you know, is there to help if we don't help each other? It just doesn't make any sense, and it's uh, that's the new Earth that I'm looking at. You know, we're ascending as a planet, as a soul, and we are um, creating a new Earth out of what we see the future to be. And I'd like to be hopeful about the future and not that it's, you know, completely the end of the world and it's going to be, you know, it's never going to be the same again. I think it's going to be a different same. I mean, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) But you know what I mean? It's like, uh, yeah, you know, I think we're going to be more considerate and that's what I'm really hoping for. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with you that that's, been refreshing to see the consideration and uh, gr- gratitude and you know, those are uh, two traits you know, I ho- hope will continue you know, also in The Secrets of the Universe 
Um, you do incorporate some Eastern ideas. Uh, and you do mention acupuncture. I don't know if that's really going to uh, really uh, do we cure someone of the virus, but you know, it can help in other areas. Um, but the the Eastern ideas seem to be more uh, su- superior to uh, you know Western thought, where it's, everything is just black or white. Uh, you, know, you are. Uh, in the secrets of the universe, you you are asking us to look more at the balance, mm-hmm. and I you don't really find balance um, prevalent throughout Western culture. It's you know there's just the one way, you know, my way or the highway, black white. Yeah, there's no uh, gray in there where it's a little bit of both. Oh, yeah. Well, it's capitalism. And uh, I hate to say it, but illness makes a lot of money in this country. And uh, I do believe in acupuncture, which is, is great for migraines, you know, um, muscle pain, so many things that, you know, that you can't just take a pill for because uh, – and. Don't get me wrong. If you need medicine or you need a doctor, I'm not saying that you shouldn't see one, but I, 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 I'm I saying see. that you know we everybody should be getting sunlight, drink a lot of water, eat good food, um, get enough sleep, um, and to, you know take care of themselves. I mean, really, you know, we've slowed down enough to see that people are a lot happier not being on this, you know, horrifying 100-mile-an-hour treadmill every day. It just uh, right. it doesn't work for a lot of people, and I, I'd like to see that change a bit. So life is a little uh, <laughs> a little easier and not so fast, I guess. It, it, it does – how does all – you know, it, yeah, the uh, smattering of what we've taken from uh, your book, uh, how, how does that fit into synchronicity? Is there some way to work that into processing all of what's going on today? Well, I, I think that, um, you know, the thing that I love about the universe is it, it there's a lot of synchronicity to it and when you get into the flow of that um that is when you find more your your most power you know I, I like to say it's like you know floating down the river on your back instead of trying to swim upstream and when you see like certain people you just thought of or you see a number that means something to you on a, you know, anywhere on a license plate, on a, you know, somebody that just drives by you. These little messages, I always say, are the universe's way of showing you that you're in the pocket, you know, you're in the flow. Mm-hmm. And the more we're in the flow and the more that we're, you know, um, being grateful 
and staying in the moment, living every day is, you know, the best you can, that is where you come to find balance with our health and our mental health and everything, the, the balance of the of the entire world. And it has been very off for a, way too long. And it's a shame that it took this much of a, um, a tragedy as this virus is to stop everybody. Something had to, to change. So... I think, uh, you know, we being the, the if you start getting into the synchronicity, you know, going with the flow, like, you know, if you're late somewhere, maybe you just missed out on something like an accident. So I always I always look at things like when they don't go the way you a, you absolutely think they're going to go to just, well, there might be a reason behind that and to just go with it instead of being upset about it. And, and our emotions create what we manifest. So if, if we don't control our own emotions, and that's the thing about the news and the, the world news and the way things are going every day, and I talk to people every day that are living in fear, and that takes down your immune system right away. So living in fear is not going to help us. We have to have right, faith. Yeah, and, yeah. And as you said, we are resilient and we can bounce back and overcome whatever term you want to use. We we can be better after the, the situation resolves itself. Mm-hmm. I think so. Um, yeah. And I, I have a lot of prayer. hope for that. I do too. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, um, yeah, I just, you know, I'd like to just put it out there that I, I want, you know, I, I'm not telling you who to pray to, but I hope that people pray a lot and uh, help us envision a better future for everybody. Um, have you ever been to the, uh, Juji Korean Spa in Hotlanta? No, no, I have not. <laughs> okay. All right. I, I just, uh, since you're kind of in that region, I just w- wondered if uh, uh, you've ever been to, uh, I think they have uh, several throughout. Um, the Gulf Coast, uh, southeastern United States, Gulf Coast region. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, my one trip there you know, was uh, memorable. You know, learned a few stretches and um, you know, uh, looking at. Some of the Eastern uh, diet, like having seaweed and mm-hmm. add some rice. You know, it's you know, it just it, it was uh, you know, just something as a, a little uh, different than you know, if I eat you know uh, you know it was a little different than e- e- eating like kung pao chicken or you know so, so, something that you would get at a uh you know one of the, uh any number of 
local Chinese restaurants. And it was just uh, a, a really unique experience in the uh, like uh, hand massage I got on my uh, burn scar. That was it, it was really helpful. It lasted, uh, you know, the the relief lasted a few days and. Mm-hmm. I I just uh, that was one of those um, experiences for what, three hours, however, however long we were there. Um, it was a nice co- uh, contrast to uh, like we uh, we were talking about it earlier with, with the you know just. Take the Western philosophies, you know, just take a pill for the tightening of the skin or something. It, it's, it, it, you know, ha- having someone uh, trained on how to work the muscles and skin um, actually was uh, effective in giving me uh, a little bit more uh, hand motion. Oh, definitely. I mean, massages. You know, uh, foot massage, reflexology goes back to the, um, mm-hmm. you know, the pyramids and the Egyptian times. And, and uh, there are spots all over, especially on your feet. All your nerve endings are in your feet. And actually, there's, um, you can get a map of your, well, your hands too, but your feet of what to massage if you have a problem. And I believe even if you give yourself a, a foot massage every night, you should do that because it's very therapeutic for you. I, I highly believe in that. But even uh, doing your own like uh, hand massage, like your fingers, if you have um, arthritis, that helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, anything like that, you know, to get the blood flowing in the right places. And I do, you know, yoga. I do stretching. Um, I, I like to walk. And uh, I, I live on the third floor, so I'm I'm forced to walk. <laughs> and okay. uh, it's it's really good for you to get out there and do that kind of thing. You know, it's a, yeah. a way to stay much healthier, even if we have mm-hmm. to stay around home. Yeah, it, it, it was. I I enjoyed the experience. You know, it was just, just something different. It was like a little family trip there, and I, I just came you know, just came came away from uh, the spa with a new outlook on um, how effective other. Uh, therapies can be, you know, there 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 are alternatives, and yeah, you know, I I did like that that experience. So it's, it's oh not. yeah, no, I I did. Uh, I was treated to a spa in Belgrade, Serbia, when I was there ten oh, years were... ago, and uh, mm-hmm. it was amazing because this uh, uh, lady, uh, Chris, I wish I could say her whole name right now. I'm sorry, we call her Kiki. She works with a lot of um, children with disabilities and autism, and and uh, I went to her spa, and first I sat in the sauna for a while, and then I took a shower, and then I, she did a healing on me that she never even touched me, and I've always had a problem with the left side of my neck, and I, honest to God, I haven't had the pain since I left there. And before the end of the day, she had one of those salt rooms 
that that is literally like it's a cave of salt, sea salt. Mm-hmm. And you put on little booties so you don't, you know, track it in and out. And you go in, it's really good for asthma patients, and you go in and you um, sit in, like, uh, beach chairs and just breathe in the salt. It's just, oh, my God, it's so nice. And, yeah, I highly recommend if you find someone with a salt room to go do that because especially if you have asthma or any kind of breathing problems. It's very, oh, my gosh, that was so amazing. And, And I don't know what she did to my neck, but I've never had the pain in my neck since. Okay. So, very, very amazing. It it, it worked. Yeah, you know, she actually trained with the Aborigines in the outback back in Australia for three months. So, she used to live in Australia. And uh, she actually did that. She lived with the, the Aborigines, and she told me that the only thing she could show up with was, um, what was it? Uh, I don't even think she had a toothbrush and a change of clothes. She's supposed to, you know, 90 days of we're living out here in the wilderness and you're going to learn how to heal. So she did. <laughs> Very amazing okay. lady if you ever go to Belgrade. <laughs> uh, uh, that sounds like some uh, amazing uh, on-the-job training. Just, oh, you just, big time. You're just there with uh, very few distractions. Right, exactly, yeah. And she had gone through a really hard time in her life, and she ended up going there for three months and came back, moved her kids back from Australia to Belgrade and started her own business. And uh, I, I always recommend any of that, you know, um, hypnotherapy, Reiki, uh, acupuncture, um, biofeedback, uh, listening to music, listening to, to sound vibrations. Um, that's really, really therapeutic. And I think that's another problem we're having right now is we're bombarded with electronic transmissions everywhere. Our, our entire lives, that's all we have around us, and we're actually electrical ourselves. So you can see how, you know, too much of this might be not so good for us. I don't know. Okay. So, I'm not a scientist. <laughs> okay. but to, So it, instead of being bombarded with electrical... Uh, music and impulses. Uh, w- you know, we can talk about uh, being bombarded by acoustic music and your book on Hank Williams. So, what what caused you to write a book on Hank Williams? It seems pretty. Uh, like on the other side of the coin from your friends in a band we're uh, going to be talking about here shortly. Okay. Uh, um, so I'm sorry. Okay, what's the question again? I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm just ran- I was trying to do a segue into uh, your oh. book on uh, Hank. Okay, sorry, yes. Um, Well, I had written 
three books at that point. And I honestly didn't know what I was going to write about. And I had a lot of ideas thrown at me by my editor at Hal Leonard um, because he was he wanted to do a project with me. And we batted around, oh, my goodness, so many different things that he wanted and I didn't want and what I wanted he didn't want. And I actually had a friend of mine, Mickey, who's back in Wisconsin, God bless you, who came up uh, with an idea at a party that I was at one night. We are at a dinner party, and he uh, said, why don't you write a book on Hank Williams III? And I said, who's that? You know, and he's like, Hank, Hank III, you know? the senior's grand grandson, and I didn't even know about him. And once I looked into him and his music and, and uh, his life and everything, I just, I talked to my editor about it, and there was no way that we could, I could write a book, I didn't feel, without telling all of their stories, because they intertwined so much. And uh, so that's how um, Family Tradition came about, and it came out in 2011, and uh it's about all three, Hank Williams and Hank Sr., Hank Jr., and Hank Three, and their music. I mean, oh, my goodness, especially Hank Sr.'s music still to this day is an amazing um, therapeutic way. And he, he had so much pain in his life with uh, back problems, and he had a back surgery that didn't work. And he, he drank, but he was a binge drinker, so he didn't drink all the time. But when he did, he did he drank in binges and uh mm-hmm. and then he started taking painkillers for um his back and died at 29 but he did he never drank in the studio and he recorded 170 songs before he died so he um he's quite the quite the guy when you listen to his music it just takes you to another place it, um he he Hank does, you know, we're talking like uh, what mid to late forties for his short career. Mm-hmm. Well, that, uh, yeah, pretty much. You know. okay, uh, uh, in that vicinity, so, uh, but it, I was, you know, I've been listening to some of his uh, videos on YouTube. Uh, and he, he is writing about trains. The there there's those topics uh, or experiences like you know hearing the trains go by. You know, everyone can relate to. Um, oh yeah, yeah. He was really good at that. He just reached out, and you know, you can you could feel what he was feeling in his music. And uh, he loved the sound. Actually, he had uh, his pedal steel player. He instructed his pedal steel player to learn how to play something that sounded like a train horn. You know, kind mm-hmm. of like a, a just the sound of a train coming down the tracks and stuff. And you know, he did a, he did a lot of stuff that innovated uh, music. You know, I always say he wrote the first rock and roll song back in '47 when he recorded "Move It On Over." which um, predates Rocket 88, which came out in 1951 by four years. And uh, luckily, mm. the um, 
uh, Michael McCall at the Country Music Hall of Fame agreed with me about that. Thank gosh. <laughs> I was so like, oh, my God, please. You know, what is he going to say? And uh, I was so, like, thankful that he said, you know, yeah, she's she's pretty right about that. Hank Williams is in the Country Music Hall of Fame and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Not too many people well, are in both. And... You know, you know, with songs, songs like "I'm So Lonesome I Could Cry," the uh, you know, with the train imagery, I, you know, gee, it, you know, you get uh, you know, like uh, Mick Taylor and you know, so many rock guys, you, you know, playing these songs to. Uh, Slide uh, guitar to train themed uh, songs. Uh, it it all works very well with you know what we've uh, spoken about with the sound. You know, making a sound real. Mm-hmm. Everyone can uh, can relate to it, but it is sounding like so many of these ideas were pioneered by Hank. Oh, definitely. Yeah, he was he was definitely a, a trailblazer in uh the way he wrote and um his lyrics and his music and everything. Um he was actually awarded in 2010 50 some 50 years, maybe 47 years after his death, he was awarded a Pulitzer Prize for his lyrics. And Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, pretty cool deal for people. Some people thought that he was illiterate and he couldn't even read, <laughs> which is completely untrue. But that's what people thought of him. They called him the hillbilly Shakespeare, and he certainly okay. was. He was a Shakespeare. So that's how the Hank book came up. And you know, and I did go, uh, and I went to Knoxville to see Hank three play. And then I went to the uh, Family Tradition um, Museum exhibit. Actually, I went there twice. But uh, the first time I went down there, um, I was with my sister. And at the end of the night on Saturday night, uh, they had a show at the original Ryman Theater downtown, which is where, you know, Hank and everybody played every Saturday night. And uh, Mm -hmm. uh, they were just letting a show out, actually, so we walked in. I went all the way in, and it was so much smaller than I thought it would be. You know, it was a, it's actually like a church. And and uh, but I went right up to the stage and put my hands right down on the wooden wooden planks on the floor, and just oh my god, I I sucked in that Ryman Auditorium energy. <laughs> and and I looked up at the windows, and I could see the view that Hank saw when he would sing. And that just, I was, oh, I was so happy to be there. It was a very spiritual thing for me. Because I, I grew up, my my grandmother loved Hank Williams. I grew up with his music. So is, is the original Ryman uh, built inside a, like, converted church? Yeah, pretty much, yes. It, oh, oh. Okay, is what we the the exterior shot we see in Coal Miner's Daughter is that the the original one that yes 
Yeah, that's were the hang- exact place. Yep. Yeah, that's uh, that is in uh, Coal Miner's Daughter. So they did they did film there because the new uh, Opry doesn't look anything like that. So that is the the Ryman Auditorium that you can still go to shows to, you know, which is wonderful that it's still open. But that's the original place. And then on Saturday nights, they uh, would play till midnight. And then I'm sure they would stop in at Tootsie's across the alley to have a drink. And then they would go over to um, uh, Ernest Tubbs Record Shop on right on uh, Broadway, they call it. And uh, they would play uh, WSM in uh, Nashville, would, would broadcast a live show after the Opry that they well, you see it in Coal Miner's Daughter when she plays in the back of that um, that store, that record shop. That that's mm-hmm. that's true. They used to do that every Saturday night. So, so. that so so what is in the movie? What you saw? I, that 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 is all. You know, real uh, that that was the way things were done. It's uh, authentic. Yes, it's all oh, like yeah. uh, within uh, a short walking distance from the Ryman Auditorium. Oh yeah, no, it's right across the alley to Tootsie's, and then across the street to uh, Ernest Tubbs. <laughs> I did not know that. Okay. Okay, cool. okay and, and uh, Ernest Tubb was um, Hank Williams' mentor, his uh, idol. Uh, he was known as a godfather of country music. And here's some a little synchronicity for you. When I was a kid, my parents owned a restaurant in downtown Lodi, Wisconsin. And that summer at the Lodi Fair, Ernest Tubb and his band played. And then they came to my mother's restaurant for dinner, and I got his autograph. So the first celebrity oh. autograph that I've ever had in my entire life was from the godfather of country music. <laughs> that's so weird I mean what are the odds of that it's just oh. crazy and I've seen my book now for sale at the Ernest Tubb uh, record shop so that's like real full circle for me yeah, uh, there is synchronicity there that's oh, a neat yeah. story yeah. yeah well and my, my parents owned venues when I was a kid so they always had live music and uh, my mom's favorite thing, when she would, you know, see somebody that was really talented, she'd always say, well, you know, because we lived in northern Wisconsin, and she said, well, you know, if you want to make it, you got to go down to Nashville. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then here, decades later, you know, one of her kids, I actually had a book signing at the uh, Country Music Hall of Fame for Family Tradition, so... That was uh, a hugely uh, out-of-body experience. <laughs> did, 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 uh, you know, there was that song, uh, The Car Hank Died In. Mm-hmm. I think the Lounge Lizards did that. Uh, Junior Brown was part of the band. Um, it, it was... Hank, did, well, first of all, did he uh, really die in a car? Yes. Yes, he did. Okay. W- 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 was he going, uh, 
like back to Nashville or uh, from uh, Charleston, West Virginia, or what? what or was he coming to Charles uh, Charleston? I I thought there was like some he uh, had played um, maybe uh, a, a night or two <clears throat> earlier in Charleston uh, before he he passed away. Was there some kind of uh, uh, tour uh, taking him through? Southern West Virginia when he died? Um, well, actually, yeah, that he did die in West Virginia. Um, but what happened oh. is um, he had, you know, he had trouble with his drinking and he had gone through a divorce with Audrey and gotten remarried. And he really should have been in um, treatment because of his back pain and the fact that he had hooked up with a guy who said that he was a doctor, but he wasn't a real doctor. And he was giving Hank uh, very heavy sedatives to to help the pain. So what happened was he got a promoter to book him on New Year's Eve and New Year's Eve Day, one gig in West Virginia, one in Ohio. And he paid a kid to drive him there, which in those days, you know, it was crazy. They took off from uh, Montgomery, Alabama, where he lived, and they went up to um, Knoxville, let me think. Yeah, he left from there, and they got up to Knoxville. And um, Or he, he might have left from Nashville. My God, it's been so many years now. But he uh, they only made it to Knoxville because of the weather, and they actually tried to fly, and they got turned around, and they ended up at a hotel that night where Hank um, choked on his food, they called in a doctor. The doctor shot him up with morphine. The kid called the promoter, said, we're not going to make it to West Virginia. We're going to try to keep going to make it to, um, to Ohio. Canton, Ohio. And uh, the okay. promoter threatened him and said, you know, if you don't get him up here, I'm going to fine him $1,000 and whatever. So when they put him in the car the, the, the next day in Knoxville, he was unconscious. Some people believe he was already dead. Put him in the back seat of a car. He tried to drive. He even got stopped by a cop and had to pay a ticket. And he, by the time he got up to West Virginia, it was 7 o'clock in the morning on New Year's Eve day. He was supposed to play that night in Ohio. And um, he turned around. He pulled into a gas station after he had seen that Hank's um coat had fallen off of him and it was cold it was in uh january you know it was snowing it was awful i mean the cars didn't have good heat in them and uh he Mm -hmm. felt hank and he was stone cold and uh he called um someone over to help him and he said you better get him to the hospital right away as soon as they got to the hospital they pronounced him dead um on arrival so i they believe that he had been dead for hours he was only 29, but yeah, on the back seat of his light blue Cadillac. I, I, and, I thought there was yeah. a, a, some kind of story. I, I wasn't sure where. I, I, I thought it was you know, somewhere in like that Kentucky, southern West Virginia. I, 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 I was just uh, wondering if you, you, know, you, you clarified, clarified it for me. Okay. 
interesting yeah, it, story. Yeah, it, it's very it's a convoluted story because they take off and they make it to Knoxville, and then they end up on an airplane that turns around, and then they end up in a hotel, and then they end up getting stopped by a cop, and then they end up in West Virginia, and Hank is uh, is already dead. And this kid was like a 17-year-old kid that was driving him. So it was a horrible thing for him to have to deal with it. And and like I said, Hank should have been in the hospital instead of being out trying to play some gigs, you know, to prove that he could. That's what he was doing. He was trying to bring back his reputation as being, I can do it. I can make, I can make the gigs. And uh, physically he wasn't able to. And they don't care, you know, how many how many musicians have died like that because the music business doesn't care as long as they get up there and, and perform. You know, that happened with Elvis. It happened with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah. And, and, and yeah. Sp- speaking of uh, uh, other musicians, um, I think we last time you were – a guest with us. We just got started talking about your recent trip to the big house. And yeah, I think we heard like two minutes of it and the show ended. Um, Okay. You're a regular at the big house and in Macon, Georgia. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about um, if people go there? Hopefully, you know we will uh, be able to have a summer vacation season. Um, if they do go to the big house, what can they expect to see and have? You know, since you are a rock journalist, have, have you heard any of the new um, live recordings from the Almond Brothers band from the early 70s? Well, I, I haven't, and I look forward to hearing that because I was a huge fan when I was in high school is when I discovered the Almond Brothers and I went to Macon to see the big house. Um, they call it the big house and museum. And it's the house that when they moved from Jacksonville up to Macon, they, well, they were in one little house for a while, but then they ended up in this big house where they recorded a lot of their hits. And uh, they lived there, you know, for several years, I think two to three years. And what they did now, now that, you know, a lot of the band is gone, and uh, especially with Greg Allman, you know, just passing away a little, maybe not even two years ago now, um, Mm -hmm. they have recreated the house with some of the rooms actually the way they were. They have, like, Dwayne Allman's bedroom, the exact, you know, with the same furniture, same pictures on the walls. Um, they re- recreated Barry Oakley, who's bass player that was also killed in a tragic uh, motorcycle accident. They have his bedroom. They have all their gear, um, lots of framed letters from Dwayne from the road, lots of framed um, lyrics, you know, handwritten lyrics. Uh, they even have a, the pool table that um, Greg and Cher used to own. You know, he was married to Cher for four years. 
and uh, it's just a it's a really great place if you love the Almond Brothers. But make it alone, you know. Um, uh, Dwayne Almond worked with a ton of people, you know, uh, even um, you know like Boz Skaggs, and uh, you know Little Richard comes from there. And uh, Otis Redding just recorded sitting on do- on the dock of the bay before he was killed in Macon. Uh, he recorded it there. There's so much history, and the, the if you're into spooky stuff, then you got to go to the the uh, cemetery where um, now Dwayne and Barry and Greg Allman are laid to rest. And uh, it's it's an amazing. A very spooky but amazing cemetery where the band and actually Leonard Skinner used to do this too. They used to sit in the cemetery at night and write songs. And some of the songs, like Elizabeth Reed and you know a, a couple of their big hits, were actually written about people that are in the cemetery. And uh, I did not know it, that. Yeah, and it, it's uh, and the cemetery is massive, and luckily the. Um, Rex, the guy that worked at the gift shop, offered to give my sister and I a tour, and thank goodness, because it's, it's about a mile and a half wide, and if we wouldn't have known how to go there, but he took us to all the places where they took all the pictures, like all the album covers and everything, and um, it was just so amazing, and Barry and Barry Oakley and Dwayne Allman are buried next to each other, and then a few feet away from Dwayne is now Greg, and I haven't been back since they put up the the, the actual stone, his uh, his memorial and his headstone. So I want to go back. But the gift shop uh, guy told me a story, and it was really funny. We went to the cemetery, and a gentleman pulled up in a little pickup truck and said hi, and said, "Oh, I'll see you at the gravesite." and uh, you know, and I'm like, oh, you know, and uh, Rex was like, that's Chank Middleton. That's Greg Allman's best friend. And he comes here almost every day. And I got to meet him, and I got a, my picture with him, and he, he showed me pictures of Greg on his phone and told me such really sweet stories. And uh, so I asked wow. Rex if we could tell him what what we heard from uh, uh, the guy that cleans the house. Well, they have a family that cleans the, the museum at night. And they have a jam room upstairs where, you know, and it's exactly the way it was. It's got the turntable and the pillows on the floor and the low round coffee table and, you know, tapestries on the walls. And it's just very 60s. And the gentleman one night was cleaning and someone tapped him on the shoulder and he turned around and Greg Allman was standing there. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> is, has Rex seen Greg's ghost at, at the cemetery or, or, you know, Dwayne's or Barry's? No, no, but that's, uh, you know, the, the maintenance guy definitely saw Greg in the house. Okay. And I would love to sleep there some night because I, I'm sure you can hear them jamming at night when it's really quiet. Because there's so much life. I mean, all their road gear, all their guitars, all their uh, posters, their tickets. They have a room that uh, roadies out there will love this. They have a room that's filled with um, anvil cases. And those are, you know, the big silver cases that they put equipment in. And each case is filled with, one of them is filled with, like, um, bottle tops. One of them is filled with backstage passes. One of them (laughs) is filled with hotel room keys that they never gave back. 
Um, it, it's really fun. It's it's a great ride if you're into the Almond Brothers. It, you have to go to Macon. That's just it's something that's very worth seeing. And uh, I could feel Greg and just the whole band there. I mean, it's so, you know, I, I can't imagine why he wouldn't want to be there, you know, at times because all of his stuff is there. So yeah, it's, uh, uh, do, it's, it seemed like uh, Greg uh, wanted to live life without regrets. Uh, do do, do you think yeah that's why his ghost uh tapped the custodian on the shoulder and yeah, just yeah, oh yeah i just have well, yeah, an, yeah, a, a, interest he... in what what why would his ghost still be there cuz you know he he really uh Greg did a lot uh so sounds like he really worked a lot on uh his own personal spirituality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. And he did. He was happily married when he passed, and uh, he he lived actually about uh, ten miles from me. He he uh, his widow still lives in um, out right outside Savannah, and that's where he passed away. And she uh, Shannon and his friend Chank were at his side when he passed. And the strangest thing is the day they buried him in Macon. He was scheduled to play the theater in Macon that night. So there you go for crazy synchronicity. Yeah, back. But um, back, back yeah, from the and, beginning of the show. Well, and and I'm sure that he uh, he loves being at the big house. You know, um, he's got all of his gear there, all of his memories. Um, I'm if he's not there a lot, I'm sure he pops in regularly. <laughs> I wouldn't know why I wouldn't. Uh, uh, do Do you remember what years that uh, the band occupied the big house? I believe it was uh, between sixty nine and seventy two. Nineteen sixty nine to seventy two. Like seventy three. Yeah, it's, it's, so it's kind of like uh, about the time. Uh, Live at the Fillmore and eat, eat, eat a peach. Uh, you oh, know, yeah. Uh, no, they like, got so, huge. So, so I mean, their... you know, right after Dwayne Allman, who is the, you know, the older brother and the 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 leader of the band, basically, um, he was killed about a year into them starting to get famous. So he, you know, it was horrible. It was, they they went on without him and they had just gotten started. So, you know, and he was, um, a lot of people loved Dwayne's um, playing and how incredible he was. And, you know, um, Greg, you know, had to, to follow in his footsteps for sure after he passed. So, but um, I think, you know, they had the, the big house. Um, somebody lived there. I know Greg didn't live there for the whole time, you know, after like 73 to 70, I can't remember what year it was, but I think somebody always occupied it at some point because they still have it and their families were um, able to recreate their, you know, original rooms and stuff. So that's what's really fun about it. Okay, cool. So hopefully people can stop there uh, for uh, visits 
and they, um, I think I have that. Was it uh, BigHouseMuseum.com? I think is their website. Uh, they do have a website. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's the the Big House and Museum. Um, I can look it up, but uh, yeah. Or, or if you Google it, the Big House and Museum in Memphis, um, Memphis, Ma- <laughs> Megan, Megan. Shot. <laughs> or Elvis is trying to get on this for something. Yeah, you know, somehow I, t- I don't uh, know why, wh- how he popped in there. <laughs> BigHouseMuseum.com. Okay. Oh, uh, uh, there, uh, there it is. Uh, they lived there from seventy to seventy-three, so they were becoming pretty popular. Uh, that's you know kind, kind of uh, what they left about the time brothers and sisters was released somewhere around that time period. Mhm. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I, I have to put that on one of uh, one of my bucket list list stops. Oh yeah, yeah. Macon is definitely worth seeing. It's a beautiful city and lots of good food and um, tons of history. Very much uh, filled with history. Well, we're kind. Of, Kind of just getting started into this second hour. It's it's getting late, but I'm not tired. But I can't afford the gasoline. But we'll <laughs> we'll move on to. An... <laughs> Barbara has no idea what we're talking about. It's like, oh my gosh, he he's going off the deep end again. But well, but. Um, um as you know we get close uh Wednesday the uh sixth now in you know, places like Coventry, England. But um mm-hmm. you know your reissued um Let There Be Rock will be available to uh, British uh, you know, the British public uh, Thursday. So um, let's talk a little bit about the uh, you know, reissue. You've uh, written a few more chapters for the book. Is that right? What yeah. do you covering like the kind of like semi-retirement and coming back out of retirement because everyone <laughs> uh, missed uh, um, you know uh, playing and they just didn't feel like they uh, ACDC fe- uh, didn't feel like they um, completed everything uh, what did you feel like you needed to add to the the original version okay well the first time I wrote the book it came out in October of 2006 and uh, it did get updated in 2009 but um, actually and that actually had a CD in the back of it that uh, had 
uh, copy of an, an interview that I did with the whole band in 1977. But the story of ACDC, Let There Be Rock, has been updated from 2009 to the present, which there was a lot of stuff to cover, <laughs> um, including, uh, you know, them recording uh, Rock or Bust. You know, they, they did the Black Ice Tour, and the, the book actually ended at the beginning of the Black Ice Tour. So the book really picks up during the Black Ice Tour, which I saw four times, including one time in Italy, believe it or not, um, right before wow. Malcolm retired for good. And uh, and then Malcolm, you know, sadly, in uh, 2017, we lost George Young, and less than a month later, Malcolm Young passed away. And then they, you know, they did the Rocker Bust album, and they, you know, went out... Uh, and had to finish off the the tour with Axl Rose, so there there was a lot of uh, ground to cover, and I think I did it pretty well without giving away anything that they're. We know they have a new album, and we know they're going to tour. It's just when they're able to at this point. So it's exciting sure. because I think that uh, we're going to see them again. I don't know what capacity that will be, but I I would love to see. Um, you know, concerts come back. I really hope that we don't lose that because that's that's such a fun experience. And um, and we do know that they recorded a new album, and it does have uh, Brian Johnson on vocals, um, Cliff Williams on bass, Phil Rudd on drums, Stevie Young in place of Mal- Malcolm on rhythm, and of course Angus. So it's uh, it's going to be as close as you can get to the original lineup. Okay, and, yeah. uh, I can't wait to hear it. Okay. Um, well, a few years, what, just a couple years ago, Brian decided he wanted to retire. And do, do you know why Brian came back? It just he he just can't can't stay uh, at home in the recliner. What was his uh, reason for coming out of retirement? Well, I think, um, you know, he had problems with his hearing, which um, that now, I mean, the technology has been incredible, and supposedly he is um, a whole new thing that he uses that he can hear, and he will be able to hear when he does perform live. And uh, Mm -hmm. he had to, you know, stop playing when uh, he, you know, and I saw them actually. We uh, I saw them in Chicago in let's see Wrigley Field in September of 2015, and they immediately went up to uh, Canada and played in the rain a couple nights, and then they kept flying. And Brian's ears were totally messed up. And you know what what it's like. You're not even supposed to fly when you're congested. And he did that. He kept flying, even though he actually had liquid in his ears. And uh, he ended up with a real problem, but I think that um, they have solved it for him. And he, you know, I think that uh, Malcolm's death had a lot to do with everybody coming back together and saying, you know, this last album deserves to be a damn good one. And I am thrilled that they all got back together and did it with Angus. I, I couldn't be happier about that. So Angus deserves that, and so does ACDC. They deserve that. Well, and you know, you do make the point in um, 
ACDC frequently asked questions that uh, Malcolm was actually the leader of the band. Yes. He was the boss, which I love about him. I loved him so much, and I admired him so much because nobody really knew that he was the boss. I mean, people that worked with him did, of course, but the audience didn't. And his fans didn't realize that for a long time because he's, he's so quiet, you know. So he let um, Bon and Angus do the interviews, and then Brian and Angus did the interviews. And and Malcolm did do interviews, but not very often. And uh, I love the quote. Someone asked him one time about how he felt that his brother was the focal point of the band and that he was kind of back in the shadows. And Malcolm laughed, and he said, well, if he got paid more than me, it'd bother me. <laughs> That's so Malcolm. So straightforward, yeah, we get paid the same. I don't care who's in the spotlight. Okay, it, uh, you know, they had, you know, really big name producer like Mutt Lang for, you know, the – Highway to Hell, you know, that was what probably their breakthrough album in the States. Um, but what, uh, Mutt Lang was uh, part of that. Um, do you know if they have another big name producer for the new CD is it do you, do you know anything like the, uh, you know the that kind of behind the scenes information well they they definitely you know for back black ice they used uh Brendan O'Brien and Mike Fraser they used uh and they go up to Vancouver to um uh Brian uh Oh, my God, Brian Adams Studio, sorry, up in Vancouver, and they did that for Rock or Bust, and they did the same thing with the same team for the new album. So we know that for sure because people are, (laughs) unfortunately, they have a balcony up there, and the guys kept going out on the deck smoking cigarettes, and some neighbor uh, started taking pictures and sending it to the press. <laughs> so they they put up a um, a big um, umbrella so people couldn't see onto the to the balcony anymore. But you know Brian said it. We they've all confirmed that they've been they're on the album. So that, that's exciting. Okay, and and, and you know, you reminded me. You know, right before uh, the show started, that uh, Bonfest is quickly approaching. What's the situation there? Yeah, they they have a big um, uh, festival in Kiramir, Scotland, which is Bon Scott's uh, birthplace, and they have a big um, festival every year. And this one uh, is not, um, you know, they couldn't get together like they normally would. So um, I believe here, I'm looking up the date, there's going to be a virtual um, Bond Fest for 2020. And uh, let's see, I think, okay, I think we missed it. I'm not sure. It 
might have been um, the first through the third of May, which I think oh, just okay. happened. I thought it was later mm-hmm. in May, but I'm looking here just to see for sure. But uh, yeah, next year, you know, they'll be back there. Um, it's they have a museum now uh, in Bond's honor, and they have a statue of him and and a lot of great people you know come to it and and i've i've always wanted to go i've never gotten to to do that yet so i'm hoping uh i'm hoping to maybe make next year well okay you know hopefully uh we'll be back to normal if you know we happen to miss this uh this year's con- conference, uh, uh, hopefully next year. And uh, hey, uh, you're welcome to uh, uh, call in and, uh, and get, give us some live uh, on the scene reporting. Oh yeah, yeah. If I make it over there, that'd be awesome because uh, <laughs> I still haven't been to Monfest yet, so it's definitely on my list. <laughs> So, yeah, the book is uh, coming out. Um, It's coming out in the United Kingdom on Thursday, May 7th, and it'll be out in the U.S. and Australia on September 3rd. So, luckily, I have some time before it comes out over here for promotion, and hopefully we'll be more free to do things by this fall. So I'm still hoping for a tour, even if it's next year. Um, I think we're going to see something. Uh, uh, where are people able to let there be rock? Is that available on a specific website, Amazon? What? Uh, where can they get that? Oh yeah, definitely Amazon. And um, there's actually a link on my page where you can um, order it if you want to order it from England. Um, it's for sale, you know, as of Thursday, you can order it on Amazon and you can order it if you're in another country, but I'm hoping that, um, by this fall, we will have some foreign language deals. So there'll be some, um, additions out in other people's languages. So that's something that we should be able to look forward to this fall. Uh, you just mentioned your webpage. You want to tell everyone about that yeah you can go uh you can find me on amazon you can go to susanmacino.com and i'm also on uh twitter but more on facebook and that's um facebook.com slash backward slash susan.macino and you can search for me on uh google i'm i'm all over the place <laughs> okay and in your uh, frequently asked questions book. Yeah, you have. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, I know you're only 29, but you know, you've known the band since 1977. <laughs> yeah. Um. Um. You know, fr- frequently asked questions. It really does have. Uh, a lot of uh, thorough information uh, about the band's career. Um, one interesting 
um, show that Saul was as the what uh, highway to hell. Um, album was gaining in popularity. Uh, they actually played at the Brown Stadium in Cleveland, Ohio with Thin Lizzy. Uh, that sounds, you know, it's one of those, like, you know, little tid, tidbits uh, from, from your book, but you know, it's... Uh, yeah, just look back on that, and it's like, oh wow, yeah, that sounds like a amazing lineup. And you, know, you also you know Aerosmith, Ted Nugent, you know your your buddy Ted, Scorpions, yeah. Thin Thin Lizzy, and Journey were right. also on the bill. I, I uh, that sounds like a dream concert right there. Uh, yeah, that that would be about the concert to end all concerts. Well, it it always was, but I have to say, every time that I saw ACDC, no matter who they played with, I still thought ACDC blew them off the stage. <laughs> and that was just my opinion because, um, you know, they were they did. I, that's why, honestly, that's why they were only uh, um, they only played six dates with Kiss because you know they were just killing it and uh and after that you know about six nights of that and kiss was like nope (laughs) not happening (laughs) so they uh they got to the point where people refused to open for them because uh they let them open for them you know they wouldn't let Mm -hmm. acdc on the bill because they knew that they would just completely blow the audience out of their chairs and then walk away and uh, any time they ever played with anybody, whoever they were with, they had a good run for their money. And and uh, Bon even said that one time. He said, we always make sure that whoever we play with, you know, that we give them the best run for their money that, they can, that they've got, their A game. You know, so they were fun. They, they loved playing with Cheap Trick. They did uh, – Cheap Trick is actually the only band that they traded off encores with. They would they would do uh, um, and they traded off headlining too, where ACDC would go on first and then it would be Cheap Trick the next night. They would trade back and forth and then they would do encores together, which ACDC mm-hmm. did with no one but but Cheap Trick. They were the oh, that was the only band that they they liked like that. They just loved the band. They got along really well together. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, Cheap Trick is still out and about on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Oh I, yeah. I think I think they were at Daryl's house. Oh sure. Somewhat yep. recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they're uh, they're always doing something. They're actually before this happened, they were touring or going to tour. They might have already started, but they were going to tour with ZZ Top. So they're they're Ooh. always doing something. Uh, Robin and Rick are big enough that they can uh, be on the bill with bands like ZZ Top. Oh yeah, 
and and you're friends with them as well. What uh, what are, are are they you know just as much fun as you know they they seem to be having while uh, shooting the Dream Police video. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no, they're they're always fun and they're fun to watch on stage and. You know, Robin Zander, I think he's got one of the best voices in rock, period. Mm-hmm. I just love him, and uh, and they're always fun. You know, they always go out there, and they just uh, they just give you a thousand percent, and, and uh, it's nice to see, you know, them doing it this many years later, back in the late 70s, um, when Live at Budokan hit, that, the record that only came out in Japan at first, I actually worked mm-hmm. for their manager in Madison, um, Wisconsin. I ran their fan club for them. So I actually worked for Cheap Turk for a while, which was crazy. Wow. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, another thing that you know, uh, people may not realize about um, – and the generosity of ACDC is that they uh, did put on that uh, SARS benefit concert, and you have some oh, yeah. photos uh, in, in your Frequently Asked Questions uh, a book. Can, can you tell us a little, little bit about that uh, memorable performance? Yeah, they uh um well it was a uh you know SARS benefit for for that illness that virus at the time. It was up in Toronto, I believe it was July 3rd, 2003, and uh they had a, a lot of different bands, but ACDC and um the Rolling Stones co-headlined, which um they they had over it was something that was between 450 and 500,000 people that showed up about a wow. half a million. And, uh, and it was, uh, I ended up just total like crazy synchronicity. I was on vacation in Florida when they were up in Canada at the SARS benefit. And I actually ended up running into Brian like two days later back in Florida. And we, um, he met my, myself and my ex and my son and his friend that was with us. There were only nine at the time. Um, he sat down with us for an hour and uh, we had a beer and he told us all about the SARS benefit and oh my god he does the funniest um, Keith Richards impression I mean Brian Johnson could be a comedian and uh, I was on vacation so I didn't I wasn't reading the paper I didn't know how big this show had been and he was telling us that they were so loud you know, he said they were damn loud, and I'm like, well, yeah, after I found out it was a half a million people, you know, they tend to get loud. But uh, he was he said he was sitting in, the like, the dressing room area with Keith, and Mick Jagger walked in, and Keith leaned over to Brian and said, that's a singer. You know, like Brian didn't know who he was. <laughs> And he just, he told us the funniest stories. And, and I, I told them the night I met them, believe it or not, in 77, I told them, and I don't know why, but I did. I told them that someday they would be as big as the Rolling Stones. And they are the only 
band in history to ever co-headline a concert with the Rolling Stones. So there. Yep. Okay, so that uh, tells you, uh, yeah, their prominence, and you were there from the American side, basically from the beginning, and you've uh, been friends with them ever since. Yeah, it uh, it was a really good thing that I got asked to help the promoter at the club that night when I met them because it, it, uh, well, I, I actually, I became, um, pen pals back in the day, you know, before computers yeah. and cell phones. Um, I became pen pals with the drum roadie, Barry Taylor. And he, uh, well, he was a roadie and then he ended up being Phil's, uh, drum tech, but he actually has a book himself coming out on June 2nd and his name is Barry Taylor and you can find his book on Amazon. So I'm kind of excited because he's never written about, you know, what his life is really like, and I, I'm I'm anxious to see what he has to say. <laughs> but that's yeah. why, um, because of him, he emailed or emailed me. He mailed me cards and letters and called me every week for the next three years. So I I knew, you know, everything that the band was doing all the time, and it was it was awesome. You know, I watched them become world famous, and uh, and and in that process, you know, um, they never changed that much personally, which is uh, a testament to how cool they are. <laughs> that they ended didn't end up with you know bodyguards mm-hmm. and you know and all the the people and the entourage and the you know you have to talk to eight people before you can talk to me kind of thing, and they've never been that way. And that's, I think that's part of their charm. Yeah, and you know, you do uh, uh, let us know that uh, ACDC is basically still a family business. Oh, very much so, yes. Always have been. Yeah, Yeah, you document. Uh, all, all that information, you know, their sister is uh, sewing uh, Angus's uh, schoolboy uniform, and you know, just uh, she, she she was in, in, involved from the beginning as well. <laughs> so, oh and, yeah, yeah. You know, their older brother uh, George. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they, there was a lot of uh, the older brothers, even Alex, you know, he um, uh, did emigrate to Australia because he had, uh, he ended up with a um, successful band up in England. So he stayed up there, but um, Harry was uh, a star in the Easy Beats after they moved to Australia, and that was, they called them the Australian Beatles, and their big hit was Friday on My Mind, and... Mm-hmm. George was the one that was really the the producer, the mentor, the co-songwriter, the co-arranger, co-everything um, to Malcolm and Angus. He, he, you know, like Angus told me, when when they first decided they wanted to be in, in a band is when they came home one day from school and uh, Alex had, or not, sorry, George had become this superstar pretty much overnight 
and girls were trying to climb the fence to get into their house to see George. And Angus laughed and said, that's when me and Mal knew what we were going to do with the rest of our lives. (laughs) So, great inspiration right there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you have all that uh, uh, behind-the-scenes information in ACDC FAQ, Frequently Asked Questions. uh, And... Let There Be Rock comes out Thursday in England. Um, another one, uh, I know you had a meeting with um, Gene Simmons. He uh, had so uh, I don't forget forget where I saw it, it was uh, this morning, yesterday, so I, I don't know, scrolled by on Facebook or something. I, I, but uh, I, I just you know within the last uh, couple of days, um, he just had uh, uh, some kind of uh, uh, post. Uh, Commemorating the 75th anniversary of his um, mother being uh, liberated from a concentration camp. Mm, yeah. Um, yep. Uh, I mean, he's uh, you know, Gene is a very outspoken person about whatever the topic is. Um, but you know, at least he is getting. The message out there about, uh, you know, hey, she got out, and you know, we, uh, we don't need to ever try this idea again. It didn't work, and you know, we're done with that uh, in the typical Gene style. But you know, uh, what what was he like in person? Well, um... interesting story. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I actually met him at a party at the end of um, uh, 1977. They played the Coliseum in Madison, Wisconsin, and my um, assignment was to go cover the show. And then I ended up at the uh, governor's suite at the Edgewater Hotel for a huge party that uh, was given for the band. And uh, so it was attended by the band and their bodyguards and just everybody in Madison that was, you know, in the you know, business at the time, and I was lucky to get into it, but um, I wasn't a huge Kiss fan, so uh, I heard that, you know, Gene was kind of on the uh, the lookout for for somebody that night, and he was scoping out all the girls at the party, and he was huge. When he walked in, he had on his platform shoes, and uh, he literally was like six foot nine, probably, with the, the boots on. So he could see everybody at the party, basically. So every time he'd look my way, I'd just look the other way, or I'd, you know, go to the other side of the room, or I just did everything I could to avoid him because I thought, no, 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 I don't do not want to deal with this. And uh, <laughs> unlike everybody else, that would have done anything to get close to him. And I'm like, no, I'm okay, I'm good. And uh, so my girlfriend and I were going uh, to the elevator to go downstairs because there was two different parties going on. 
and uh, we got bored, so we thought, yeah, let's go downstairs and see what's happening down there. And we're in the hallway of the Edgewater, and the elevator's door doors open up, and I look right into a uh, real, well, it's dead, but it was a real tarantula encased in plastic as a belt buckle, and that was Gene Simmons' belt buckle. And I looked right into the tarantula, <laughs> and then I looked up and saw him, and I went, oh, no. And I turned around, and I just started walking. I just started like, nope, I'm gone. I'm out of here. And he started following me down the hallway. And uh, and I'm thinking, you know, no, 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 this is not happening. He's too scary. I was, I was a kid. I was like, you know, he terrified me. And I got to the end of the hallway, and I wouldn't look at him either. I was afraid, nope, if I look right at him, that's it. He's going to, like, somehow they'll be, he'll be in control. So I'm not going to look at him. But I kept looking at his shoes, and finally I said, God, I love those boots. Could I see your boots? And he said, well, sure you can. And he leaned over to lift up his pant leg, and I ran out the exit door, like, fast, <laughs> like, running for my life, basically. And then I had to talk to him a couple days later over the phone. It was super embarrassing because he asked me why I ran away from him. And I'm like, because I'm just a writer and, you know, <laughs> just trying to, like, push it off like it's no big deal. And then, like, and talk about a small world. Like, two weeks later, the ACDC was actually playing with Kiss. My friend Barry called me from backstage, I believe at, like, Indiana or somewhere, and I could hear the kiss was in the background. He was on a payphone in the band, in the backstage area, and he was freaking out. He's like, "What did you do to Gene Simmons?" And I'm, I'm like, "Why would you say that? Why would you ask me that?" And he says, "Oh, he's telling everybody about you." And he said, well, "What is he saying?" And he say, he told the band right away when he met him, they were talking about playing in Wisconsin, and he said, oh, my God, there's this crazy blonde journalist in Madison. you got to check her out. She's crazy. She ran away from me. And uh, when he found out the band already knew me, he just he was, like, just busted out laughing. So <laughs> I made an impression. I'm, like, the only person that's ever run away from Gene Simmons that we know of that's lived to tell about it. So, <laughs> yeah, okay. crazy times. <laughs> okay, so we and we've had uh, now I don't know we're de- down to about twenty minutes left. Uh, but you know, yeah, you've given us a uh, gr- great overview of country music uh, legends. Uh, Legendary you know, venues, you know, like everything that's around uh, the uh, the original Ryman Auditorium and the Tootsie's and Ernest Tubbs uh, Record Store, uh, you know, uh, the you know the uh, Big House and uh, your uh, multiple decade friendship with. Um, ACDC and Cheap Trick and uh, Kiss. Um, I don't know if we have enough time to talk about uh, Yoko, but you know there are, are, are a lot of other uh, you know newer bands that uh, you really enjoy. Uh, 
Uh, one of them is uh, Greta Van Fleet. Uh, I don't even like it, if the, there happen to be any place uh, open. Uh, the, what those guys are uh, too young to e- even uh, have have a drink at a bar, but they have um, made it uh, a big name for themselves. Um, you know what do you he- hear in their music that um you know, you really enjoy well you know when i was a kid um i was a couple of years behind uh when led zeppelin put their first album out i didn't uh buy a led zeppelin album for a couple of years after that i found it in a record shop in a used record shop and i took it home I put it on the turntable, and that was the end of that. When I heard Led Zeppelin for the first time in my life, I was like, okay, I'm done. This is it. You know, this is as good as it gets. And, uh, of course, you know, I just heard uh, Greta Van Fleet on the radio just the other day, and the first few chords, you swear to God, you're you're listening to Led Zeppelin. So um, Mm -hmm. I love that they've brought the sound and the spirit back, but there can only be one Led Zeppelin. They're, They're a great band. But um, it, it's it's kind of a hard deal when you decide to sound exactly like something somebody else. And uh, but I do love them. I get a kick out of them, and I was blown away by how you know they're so young, and yet they're you know they're obviously uh, enamored with Led Zeppelin, and they can they sound very close. They'll never be another Robert Plant or Jimmy Page, but they're definitely uh, a lot of fun to listen to. Yeah, um, I hear them played uh, on a regular basis out of, um, you know, cl- classic rock station. Um, yeah, uh, uh, I, you know, I think they played Heinz Field last year. Uh, yeah, there are. Becoming a staple at you know, your major market uh, radio stations, uh, you know, and you know they really they aren't very old, but you know, they do a very good job. Oh my gosh, yeah, no, they are amazing. They really are. I mean, there's uh, five of them, and three of them are brothers, and they're you know they were very young when they started out. I guess they started out in 2012, so eight years ago. Um, but they, you know, I, when I heard them, I'm like, oh my God, you know, <laughs> who is this? So, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I think they're a lot of fun. I really do. I enjoy mm-hmm. their stuff. Okay. And, um, Lewis Capaldi is a, another new artist that, um, you enjoy hearing, uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's got to get on the radio right now, someone you loved. And um, he's only 23. He's from Scotland, and he's only 23. And I had no idea when I was hearing him that he was so young. His voice is not the voice of a (laughs) 23-year-old. So I I really like his music a lot. Okay. Are there – yeah, he's – uh, kind of like uh, folk acoustic. Uh, I haven't heard 
a lot. You know, I just picked up. Is he more of like uh, a folk uh, type um, performer? Mm, I think he's more. You know, um, uh, kind of like light rock. Um. Oh, who am I thinking of? Uh, he's a lot like um, uh, like Ed Sheeran, you know, love songs, uh, very just very emotional stuff for a twenty three year old. I mean, he's got he's got so much uh, heart in his voice, and um, that's what really you know he does have a quite a few really good songs if you check him out on um, YouTube. And he's on, you know, everywhere, Spotify and all that great stuff. But um, I love the soul in his voice. Very soulful singer for 23. Okay. Um, Are are there any other ones, uh, new acts that you you are enjoying as much as uh, Lewis and Greta Van Fleet? Oh, my gosh. I... I listen to stuff every day on the radio and half the time I don't know who it is, but I, but I like it. And it's frustrating because, you know, I don't have a way to identify every song. And when I was on the radio, um, I knew everybody, you know, uh, within the first few chords of a band, I was like, Oh yeah, I know who that is. And now there's so much uh, good music out there. I mean, I love, you know, country, uh, you know, I love pop. I love rock, um, you know, the new Shinedown. I love Shinedown, and their new album, Devil, is quite the message. Uh, you should listen to that. Um, really get a kick out of their band. I th- they're really great, uh, really nice guys. Um, and th- there's just so much. I mean, it's uh, – and then, of course, you know, you gotta got to throw that ACDC in there. It's just uh, – it's really hard to be in a bad mood and listen to ACDC, so – if you ever really have a bad day, just get in the car, turn up the ACDC, and don't speed. Just be, don't speed. Okay, that's just a little advice I'm going to give you. Not that it's happened to me, but you know, gotta watch it. Cause, okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, which uh, which CD? Oh my God, anything. I love Power Rage. I love Back in Black. Um, Highway to Hell, uh, Let There Be Rock. Um, I, I love all of it. You know, it's it's hard to say what's my favorite, but I think Power Rage, which actually came out uh, on this day back in 1978, um, I just posted something about that today, and that is my favorite ACDC album because that was the one that they recorded after I had met them Twice I'd hung out with them twice. I interviewed them, and I think Power Age is the the true like as close as you can get to what they were like in a club right in your face. And and that was actually Malcolm's favorite album and uh, Keith Richards' favorite album. So that that is my favorite uh, out of all of them. It's just classic. So you know it's hard yeah. hard to beat them, but I I love everybody. I love. Uh, you know, Rachmaninoff and Glenn Miller and Hank Williams and, you know, <laughs> uh, Bruno Mars and, uh, you know, just so many different, um, you know, music. I don't know what I would do without it. it just uh, the world would be very sad without it. 
Um, there would be no life yeah. without music. Uh, you're just eclectic. Yeah, anything with a beat. I love the blues, you know, John Lee Hooker, uh, stuff like that, you know, Buddy Holly, um, Jerry Lee Lewis, you know, um, Little Richard, all the all the great stuff, Elvis, um, just so much. I mean, there's so much uh, great music. And uh, then every, ta- every day, now the thing that, that really blows my mind is you can go on YouTube and literally find like a two-year-old that can play the drums as well as Phil Rudd does with ACDC. And I'm not kidding. It's just insane. You know, he's got the headphones on. I think they even fixed mm-hmm. it so his feet could hit the bass drums. And, uh, and he, he's, he's incredible. Absolutely incredible. And there's a TV show now called Little, uh, Little Big Shots. And it's uh, with the comedian actress M- Melissa McCarthy. And she showcases, I think, about four kids per show. And there's everyone from, you know, decorators to architects to dancers to singers. And uh, this just recently I just saw another five-year-old that was uh, playing drums with uh, a bunch of other guys on stage. And he was he was amazing. He's five. It's crazy. Like they're all, you know, they're all geniuses <laughs> already. <laughs> okay, uh, good, good, good for them. That uh, might, you know, just to re- tie in the end of the show with um, what we're talking about at the beginning. Uh, maybe all these young people are going to, you know. Uh, make a positive difference once things return to normal. Oh, absolutely. I have, my son is uh, 26 and uh, he, you know, was in, he's involved with the um, Al Gore's climate uh, reality project. Um, He was actually on the uh, panel in Atlanta last year and um, these kids now, they're not going to do any of this. They don't believe in war. They don't believe in depending on oil. They don't believe in all of our stuff being made in other countries. They don't believe in poisoning our food. Uh, I think that there's a very bright future coming. I really do. Okay. Because and uh, it's their world. Are... are... Are you familiar with uh, Five Finger Death Punch? That's my son's favorite band. <laughs> okay. He loves I, those I, guys. I've got a question. I got a question from the loyal listeners. Okay. Okay. So, and while people are driving around listening to Power Rage, uh, you know, um, they can listen to. Track two, Down Payment Blues, and you, you may have been the Susie that was mentioned to get get in the Cadillac, doesn't have any gas. <laughs> Can't afford the, the gasoline, yeah. Yes. Well, yeah, when they were recording Power Rage, um, I had sent my interview uh, that I did with the band down to the studio for all of them to read. And I gave them a hard time because we, we have the same sense of humor. So I teased them and I gave them a hard time. 
And when they were recording, um, Barry kept telling me that he helped Bond write some of the lyrics, which I didn't really take personally. I was like, oh, that's nice. And he was so polite and very shy, and who knows? But he just said, he told me two or three times, so I helped Bond with some of the lyrics, and I just thought, okay, that's nice. I never asked what song or what he did or anything. And then 30 years later, when I'm researching the book and I'm reading all their lyrics and I see that, you know, I know he used Susie, but I kind of hit me. I'm like, wait a minute. Cause Bond loved to tease Barry about me because they, they all did. They all gave him a hard time that he was, you know, he had, he liked me a lot and I was always there at every show. And uh, so, you know, when they came through the Midwest, so Bond used to tease Barry about me, so it would not surprise me. I can't say for sure, but I'm going to say maybe that I could be the person because um, Bond loved uh, – one time Barry called me from uh, a payphone in Scotland while they were on the road, and Bond ran into the payphone with him and wouldn't stop making noise in the background, like smoochy noises and, oh, I love you, I love you. And he was laughing hysterically, and we laughed so hard that we're, we just called the, the, the phone call, like call me at a different day, on a different day because we, we couldn't stop laughing and Bond wouldn't stop teasing him. And, uh, and I'm sure he had a lot of change in that pay phone, so... <laughs> So yeah, right. yep. Okay, so uh, as a rock journalist, uh, what's a normal day for you? Like, get up at three in the afternoon. Yeah. How does how, that work? <laughs> yeah, I stay up super late and then I sleep late unless I have to get up and do something. But then I answer email. Um, I talk to a lot of people. It's uh, I've I thought I never do this, but I I really should make a, a list every day because I talk to people. Like today, I talked to somebody in Spain. Yesterday, I was talking to my friend in Italy. Tonight, I'm talking to you. Um, I'm always talking to somebody. And something's always happening. My book is coming out, and you know, and thank goodness they postponed a lot of their titles till next year. And the story of ACDC, Let There Be Rock, remained on the schedule. So um, I don't know, you know, if that it's gonna. I think it's gonna help because um, they're not gonna have as many books to promote. So mine won't be, you know, among a hundred other titles. And uh, whatever helps, because, um, you know, I always tell people, buy a copy of my book. My publishers need the money. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, yep, hopefully that's you, it. Uh, get, get, get paid a little bit, too. Sure oh, uh, yeah, I hope to. I hope to. But you only get paid twice a year, and believe me, it's not as, as exciting. You know, I'm sure Stephen King gets paid, like, a lot more often. Than, than most people. Usually you get paid twice a year and you have to wait for the sales first and then you get paid and uh, it's like a record deal only you don't have four other people to go on the road with so it kind of sucks in some ways. <laughs> It'd be okay. different if I could well, be on the road on the bus, you know, causing trouble and trash in hotel rooms but uh, that's not my life anymore. <laughs> Mine is writing and promoting and, you know, keeping in touch with people. 
and spreading the word, you know, to uh, stay positive and envision a positive future, people, because we have the power to do that. Let's take, let's use our power and see what we can come up with. Okay. Well, if uh, you know, we can, you know, we're down in the last couple minutes or so. Uh, yeah, we can think positively. Maybe, uh, maybe Barry could be a guest with us, and uh, we could re- review his book too. Oh yeah, yeah. His book's coming out in June, so I'm excited for him. He's okay. uh, he's a well, reverend actually, and he's written several mm-hmm. books. So Barry Taylor, you can check him out. Okay. And uh, do, do, you, do you want to plug all your websites and? You know, Barbara will step in and wrap up the show. I just want to thank uh, you, Susan, uh, for being such a fun guest and everyone who uh, tuned in tonight and who's on, uh, who will listen on the archives. Just thank you. Have a nice Mother's Day, and uh, we'll, we'll see you Monday. Well, thank you very much, and thanks for for, uh, having me on again. And you can find all my books on Amazon under Susan Messino. You can go to susanmessino.com and facebook.com slash susan.messino. Fantastic, and thanks so much for being here. We really enjoyed having you. It was a great show tonight. This will be up on YouTube tomorrow, so... If you missed all of it tonight, you can listen to it again. It was fascinating, lots of fun, and and great information. Have a great evening, everybody. Good night now.